0: All right, well, good evening, everyone, and it's awesome to see you as we continue on in the missions conference. Uh, If if those of you don't know, probably most people don't, but we were, hopefully, we were supposed to have uh, Eric Holland here for tonight, but he got jury duty, so you get me instead, Uh, but he's got awesome things. Hey, Mike, did you have that update? Um, Would you like to go ahead and give that? We, We wanted to, because he couldn't be here, go ahead and give an update of what God's doing um, through him there. And so I, I figured it'd be good to go ahead and do that now, if you don't mind, Mike.
1: He wrote briefly. I'll have to exaggerate a little bit. <laughs> Eric can be brief to the point sometimes. When... So I called him last night when we were finishing this. I was on the phone with him on the back pew. I said, you need to tell me more, Eric. You got to tell me more than that. Uh, as you know, he's been serving in Clarkston, Georgia, for some time now, quite a quite a long time, and he's ministering to to refugees from throughout the world. But his focus is upon Muslims, uh, and there are plenty there for him to reach. And then the hope is that through reaching these refugees that have been brought to this Clarkston area, metropolitan Atlanta, two hours down the road, you get the gospel to them. They have inroads right back to their communities, right back to where they're from, nations that we can't get into. They're closed countries. So they're doing that work. They're being diligent about it. Eric has worked uh, now. Uh, He struggled for some time when he was down there, but he's been on staff of Clarkston International Bible Church for a couple years or so now, so they've supplemented his income along with what he receives from supporters through the church. Financially, he's doing well. But he's realized some things about his ministry. One is that all church work all the time for what he's doing, pulls him down some. He knows he's accomplishing things. Specifically, he sees a lot of fruit in pouring into the next generation and making disciples. He's got a good number of of younger people that are probably 25 and under that are very hungry for the Word that he's growing and pouring his life into. And then he's also assisting and training their elders. He's preaching services every week on Sunday afternoons and an additional service that they have there. And uh, he's gone through courses, and he's helping train their other elders and other church leaders. He knows there's much fruit being born, but some of the work that he had tasked for quite some time has just pulled him down and just been like uh, it's just nothing but work for the for the most part. So he has backed off of some of the duties that are less fruitful, pouring into that which is more fruitful, teaching and training and elders and other young persons in the church, teaches a Sunday school class, and he's also picked up duties with GFM. Uh, It's a mission organization that we first met when we first became aware of Clarkston. He's serving in multiple roles with them. He's training missionaries, people that have already been called to the mission field that go there for whether it's summer training, especially been fruitful for him to uh, be training people who have who've come, moved there to go in missionary training, but they also have to work while they're doing it. They have to have an income. So He's pouring into multiple uh, angles of people that are going through being trained for mission work, and he's helping do the training. And he's a pastor for that agency. So he's he's not just ministering to the missionaries that are growing. He's ministering to the staff members of GFM. And uh, he's finding that very rewarding. He's seeing a lot of fruit coming through that. Uh, he 's wanting us to be praying for them as they they decrease a little bit of their church support because he has backed off a few of the duties it will somewhat affect his uh his salary not much but it's some so he's going to be wanting to pick up some of his constant support um, back through church members and um, be able to do more through g f m more like a half and half instead of a eighty twenty uh he he, he believes that's where the Lord's leading them at this time and he can get more involved in the um, activities of reaching the nations with these missionaries and the other people through GF, GFM and still strengthen the church and that's that's battle there in Clarkston is Clarkston International Bible Church needs strengthening it needs tremendous strengthening uh, built upon that word very few churches around that area are built upon the word they're built big into social justice they're big into social programs and being kind and nice to everyone and treating everybody the same but there's very little gospel in that area and that's what God has him pouring into there Um, he's the number two fellow on staff he's an elder there with the church now God has really put him in a unique position of influence so from Poplar Springs Baptist Church he's there reaching the nations and as you know uh, Susie's working down there with him constantly and uh, she works with the Refugee Sewing Society now, and we're, we're intricately involved with him as well. We keep a close watch on Clarkston, so uh, it's near and dear to our hearts as well. But that's an update on him. He asked for your continued prayers. He said he loves you all. Uh, continue to pray for their family, and uh, he's, he loves you.
0: Okay. Great. Thank you. And I just uh, bow in prayer for God to bless our time in the Word, but also for the Holland family as they're there ministering. Father God, we do thank you so much uh, just for the ways that you've led the Holland family uh, to Clarkston and all the opportunities that they have, uh, both um, to reach, reach our, our own nation and people who are living here, uh, but also recognizing uh, that these refugees have inroads for the gospel, open doors for the gospel in places that would be very, very difficult for us to get. And so, Lord, we see that as a divinely uh, uh, ordained um, situation there. And so we are thankful that, that he's taking part in that and that he's um, even being sensitive to to you and the Spirit and what exactly he should be spending his time doing. Even as I think of him as a, a missionary, he has but one life to live, he and his family. He has uh, only uh, so many hours in a day and days that will make up years and only so many years of his life. And so Lord, help him and help his family to use those um, in ways that will most bring you glory and most bring them joy, Lord. And God, may the nations know about you uh, through his work and through uh, Clarkston um, Church there um, and, and Nam's work there as well. And Lord, um, you are needed there. And God, as we look at your word tonight, you are needed here. We need you to work in our hearts in ways uh, that I cannot work, in ways that we cannot work, in our own hearts even, Lord. We need you to do surgery. We need you to imprint truth. We need you to remove lies. We need you to remove idols from our lives. God, so that we might live our lives Uh, short span on this earth for your glory and for eternal joy rather than wasting it all away in our short span. Lord, do that even as we look at your sovereignty. This I pray in your son's name. Amen. Well, you know, uh, again, this opportunity for me was somewhat uh, thrown on me because of uh, Eric not being able to be here. Um, but if you've been coming here for the past, you know, five, six weeks, we've been talking about the doctrine of election. And one thing, I, I've mentioned it a few times, is, uh, but, but I haven't gotten to dig in deep, is, well, how does all that, the election, the doctrine of election, predestination, and stuff like that, how does all that relate to global missions? Because, you know, I, I was thinking, by the way, the doctrine of election, just, I, I love to be clear the doctrine of election states that uh, without God's work, we would all be destined for hell. Without God's work in our hearts, all destined and deserving of hell. All humans. Um, but that God, in his grace, elects some unto salvation. And he effectually calls them and they uh, become saved Whereas he does not elect everyone, though. Not, not everyone will be saved. And, and we've talked about these things, uh, that God is fully just in allowing people to go where they deserve, yet God is, is shown to be glorious and merciful and loving um, in the way that he saves some. And so that's, that's the doctrine of election, really in a nutshell. Not really even probably a well-spoken one, but I just like to be as clear as possible. And one common roadblock that can come uh, when we think about this doctrine of election. When we think about missions, in fact, I I think of these roadblocks that come in our lives. I'll mention three of those, but the first one can be that. If you uh, understand the doctrine of election, uh, in fact, there are whole tribes of people who understand it erroneously, I believe, by saying, well, if the doctrine of election is true, and if God really has chosen people unto himself before the foundation of the earth, then what's the point of missions? <laughs> God's going to save them. If God's truly sovereign, he's going to save them. So we can just sit here. We, we don't have to reach out to them. We should grow. We, you know, we can still do Bible studies. We should grow um, ourselves. But you know, if God's going to save them, he's going to save them. And therefore, uh, missions is, is kind of a, a moot point to them because they'd say, well, God's going to save them. Uh, then, then he's going to save them. So there's no reason for us to be on mission. Um, that that i'll just give you some names for that it would be hyper calvinism uh you would have streams such as from my understanding you'd have streams such as the um oh man what is it i can't remember something baptist what is it old sounding huh hard shell shell? that i've never heard that term uh was that anabaptist would do that um Man, there's one. Anyways, I'm sorry, I, I can't think of it. I know at Cades Cove there's a church there, Hallie, that's that kind of Baptist that I've told you before. Oh, man. Primitive Baptists, thank you. Primitive Baptists in general are not missional, from my understanding, and they just fall, fall in that line of hyper Calvinism. They rightly believe in the sovereignty of God, but they wrong, wrongly understand the implications of that upon missions. And so that could be a roadblock for us, okay? But a couple other roadblocks I want to look at, and I'm talking to you people, every single one in this room, for not only evangelism, but to ends of the earth missions. Every single one of you. Roadblocks that may come in your your mind. Uh, A second roadblock, if you get over that hyper uh, misunderstanding of of, uh, election stuff, um, a, a second roadblock would be, well, when I get there, what am I going to do? I am but a mere Christian. I'm not that great of a Christian. You know, I, at best, I'm a C-level, maybe B-level, you know, second string uh, Christian. You know, they're those other guys that they preach, they sing, they evangelize. I, I'm not quite as good as them of a Christian. I don't know what hermeneutics means, you know. And, and so they would th- think God could never use me to make disciples of all nations. It, it just couldn't, couldn't happen that's a roadblock that people come up against. A third roadblock that people come up against and this one's uh again super un, uh super common rather is people saying, "Okay, so I'm going to go to this other place and you know, it's going to be really difficult." I mean, if you guys were watching last night, uh the the pictures, I'm about ready to cry watching uh how the petties are living um you know, in many ways you know, uh, living without windows. They have screens over their windows, no AC in this blistering heat, finding tarantulas. The first night they sleep there, Emily gets stung by a scorpion. Come on, that is crazy stuff. Um, And people can say, okay, cool missions. Some people should do that. I don't feel like it. I like my house with AC. I like my comfy couch. I like to click on my TV and watch the sporting events. I like my, uh, you know, internet to be fast. I like, you know, I I like actually having roads to get places rather than dirt paths and boats to get places. You know, um, I like not having to learn a new language. I like not having then that language barrier the rest of the time. I like not having to deal with another culture. You know, sometimes we go into certain stores that make us uncomfortable And we say, "Ah, I don't really fit in in this store. And we're ready to get out. You're going to live in that culture your whole life. And we just say, you know what? I don't want to do it. It'll be uncomfortable. I am not willing to make that sacrifice. And what I want to show you tonight from God's word quickly, I'll really only be able to scratch the surface on these things, is that if you rightly understand the sovereignty of God and the doctrine of election it will demolish those three roadblocks. You understand a roadblock, right? <laughs> Do not pass. Oh, I, was, I thought about going this direction, but you know I saw this roadblock, so I'm going to go the other way. Let the sovereignty of God demolish these three um, roadblocks from the possibility of you being a missionary to the ends of the earth. And I'm dead serious when I say that. Ends of the earth. Go to the jungle. Go to... Syria. Go to all the, the, you know, these crazy places. Um, go to the ends of the earth. You, this can knock those out. But if it doesn't even send you there, I realize that not everyone's a goer. You don't see me getting on a plane today. God may call me one day. I don't know. We ask. We pray. But until then, we're here. And, but right where where I am, I'm going to be evangelizing. I'm still going to be on mission. And it is largely because of the doctrine of election and understanding the sovereignty of God. So rather than making us complacent, I believe that the doctrine of election should actually make, make us discontent with our current effect that we're having on this world around us, this lost and dying world around us. It shouldn't make us complacent, saying, ah, we made it, we're saved, we're good to go. No, it should make us discontent with our uh, lack of fervor I think rather than dissuading us to go and to give our lives on mission, the doctrine of election should persuade us that it is worth it. It is worth it to go. It is worth it to give our lives rather than sit on the couch in our comfy homes and going to our familiar jobs if that's what God is calling us to. So I want to give you three points. These will be Uh, I'll go through them. You don't have to write these down. I'll I'll give them one at a time. But I believe that election, the doctrine of election, is the fuel for missions to the ends of the earth and the in-between because it is the sanction, the strength, and the sustainer of missions. Again, I'll give you each of those uh, one at a time as we flow through. But I believe that rather than keeping us from missions— The doctrine of election is the sanction, you know, the the mandate, uh, the sanction, the strength, and the sustainer of missions to the ends of the earth and in between. So let's begin with that. Uh, You know, we've been looking at it a lot. And again, I've mentioned these things, but I want to dig just a little deeper. Uh, I can't go as far as I would like. I can't even go as far as my notes go (laughs) uh, because of the amount of time we have. But number one, election is the sanction for world missions. There is indeed this doctrine of election in the Bible and there is indeed this doctrine uh, that we should be on mission and the two are not separate. Rather, they are intricately tied to one another. They are one in the same. In fact, I would say uh, that the doctrine of election doesn't relieve the mandate. Rather, it solidifies the The fact that we are the means by which God will carry out his doctrine of election in the world. I know I just said a lot there. Even if that's all I said, that would actually get you where you need to be. But the doctrine of election does not relieve the mandate of missions. Rather, it solidifies us as the means of God carrying out his doctrine of election. Election. There is great mystery here. That some of this is higher than our brains go, because, yes, yes, God has indeed chosen before the foundation of the earth who will be the elect, those who he will have compassion on, show his mercy to, undeserved, each and every one, undeservedly receiving that compassion. But that does not mean. That God doesn't use means, that he doesn't use, someone give me a synonym for means. He doesn't use, you see the trouble I'm having? We are the conduit through which God saves the elect. Does that make sense? My brain's going a little blank on that right there. We are the tools in God's hands, you could say, uh, that God uses. Yes, people are chosen before the foundation of the earth, but yes, God uses us as means, as tools, as conduits by which he brings the gospel to them. Let me show you just really quickly from Romans uh, just three reasons why I know that to be true. That, that election is actually the sanction for world missions and evangelism. This one, again, I, I want to go deeper into it, but I don't know that I'll be able. I probably will because I can't help myself. So first, Paul prays for the lost to be saved, and I believe that it includes uh, to the ends of the earth. We see that in Romans ten. Uh, we've been, by the way, in our uh, Sunday sermons preaching from Romans nine, which we got there from Genesis twenty-five. But anyways, we're in Romans nine on our Sunday sermons. And we finish Romans 9. That's talked about all this election. And, and in, at the beginning of chapter 9, he talked about the fact that he is grieving over the lostness of his kinsmen, uh, his, his brothers uh, in the flesh, that is Israel, the Israelites. And so we come to chapter 10 after he talks about this election uh, stuff. And he says this, Brothers, to the Romans, he says, Brothers, my heart's desire in prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Paul, 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 you seem to be confused. You've just said that God has chosen some and not the others. Why are you bothering to pray? Paul, I, I thought you just said that, that it is, God will have compassion on whom he has compassion, and he will harden whom he hardens. Why would you bother praying? Friends, what we need to understand is these two doctrines... Uh, are, are not in opposition to one another; rather, they complement one another. How exactly this works, I do not know. I'll, I'll tell you some things. I, um, again, I've got way too much. In Revelation, you will see multiple times these bowls of incense, and God acts upon these bowls of incense. Do you know what the bowls of incense are? The prayers of the saints. What? The sovereign God of the universe says, okay, this bowl of incense is full. It is a pleasing aroma to me. I will act upon these prayers. Whoa, (laughs) that is crazy stuff. And again, I'm just giving you glimpses. I just want you to understand your prayers really, really matter. And Paul is praying, says, hey, I'm praying for these guys right after he gets through the, the most dense chapter in the Bible that talks about the election of god of people under salvation now let me tell you something else again i can't go as deep as i want to here romans uh 11 tells us i'm just going to paraphrase i'm going to do my best romans 11 tells us that the reason there is a hardening that has come upon israel is so that the gentiles might be brought in this is paul unfolding god's plan of salvation for us the, there's a hardening that has come upon Israel. It says, um, "There anyway, I'm not going to read it because it's just too much. There's a hardening that's come upon Israel so that, that the Gentiles may come in. But Paul says, if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, that is the Gentiles are brought in, how much more will their their full inclusion mean? What he's saying is, Sorry, that was uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 12. He's saying there is, hey, if, if the Gentiles being able to come in because of the hardness of Israel, how much better will it be when the full inclusion of Israel comes? And uh, so we, we see, <laughs> I, again, I just have way too much, that, that there will be this full inclusion of Israel. And it will happen, it says here, Man, where is it? Did I delete it out of my notes? I don't even know. Again, I, I will just have to paraphrase because I can't even find it now. But through the Gentiles coming in, it will make the Jews jealous. And then it says the Israelites will be brought in. It actually says uh, all, all Israel be saved. Um, anyways... I apologize. I must have accidentally deleted what I had there. Anyways. All right. So work with me here. There's a hardening in God's providence. This election, doctrine of election, there's a hardening that has come upon Israel in order that the Gentiles might come in. You know who's at the ends of the earth? The Gentiles. And so if Paul is praying... For his brothers, his kinsmen, to, to be brought back in. You know what has to happen in between there? Reaching the ends of the earth has to happen in between there. This it, it, is some crazy stuff. Um, man, I mean, I'm serious. Where, where, where do I have this stuff? It's, it's kind of killing me. I've got <laughs> good stuff on this. Um, Jesus in um, Matthew... 24, I believe it is. I, I just have no idea why, how I'm missing it right now. Um, Matthew 24, I think, says uh, the, the gospel witness will go to the nations and then the end will come. Like th- th- This is kind of how this is going. And that's what Paul's praying for. This, this, this nation's coming in so that the fullness of the Israelites can, be co- can come in. Paul prays. I'm just going to keep moving off that one since my, my notes are all crazy on it. But... Paul prays. He understands this, this sanction of world missions, that we are to reach the lost. Okay, so that's the first one. Paul prays. Second one. This one will be more clear. <laughs> I apologize for that. The second one is, the book of Romans is a missionary support letter. The book of Romans is a missionary support letter. Turn to chapter 15 if you're uh, in there with me. Chapter 15, you go to Verse 17. And Paul says there, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. That, by the way, you could see as the doctrine of election, but anyway. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the mystery of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I'm going to pause there. So Paul is saying, I see in the Old Testament that all the nations need to hear the gospel. He knows from Jesus that all the nations, Pantata ethne, by the way, all people groups need to hear this gospel. And so I fulfilled my mission around here, from Jerusalem to Illyricum. That would be, you know... uh, Palestine, that the whole area, Israel, up into Asia Minor, you know, all Corinth, uh, Galatia. You think of all these different places. He says, I've been all through there, and there is a gospel witness there. Not everyone is saved. We know this. <laughs> Paul will be arrested next time he goes to Jerusalem, you know, and, and he makes his way to Rome, just not on the boat he was planning on. Anyway, um, so he's shared the gospel. There is a gospel witness in all of these places. There's a a church planted in each of these places. So what's he going to do? Verse 22, this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul has preached the gospel. He has planted churches in all of these places. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Spain. They don't have a gospel witness there yet. There are already pastors here. There are Timothy's, there are Titus's, there are uh, Apollos's, there are Peter's. There are these guys that are leading these local churches where, where the gospel has been proclaimed. But I'm going to Spain because they don't know about Jesus there yet. And guess what, Rome? Roman church, you guys would be on my way to Spain. And so I could actually hit you and it says, I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my journey There by you. This is a missionary support letter, Romans is. He's just gone through all these doctrines the doctrine of depravity, the doctrines of salvation by grace through faith, the doctrine of election, the doctrines of all that will happen with Israel, goes into practical spiritual matters, and he says, Okay, so now you know where I stand as a minister of the gospel. Send me to be that type of minister to people in Spain where they do not yet know Jesus. The man who is literally writing the book on the doctrine of election is not only praying for the salvation of others, including the nations, he is going to make disciples at the ends of the earth. And we remember from yesterday, the ends of the earth is not a place. It is peoples who have not yet heard the gospel. That's what the ends of the earth means biblically. We see that Paul is a praying man and he's actually a going man because Romans is a support letter. And thirdly and finally, Paul tells us in this very same letter, again in chapter 10, right after teaching the doctrine of election, that people cannot be saved. You could think of it even as the elect cannot be brought in unless they hear the gospel. And there, I, I feel no uh, tension when I say that, that the elect cannot come in until they hear the gospel. Will they hear the gospel? Yes. How? Through people. Because that is the way that God has decreed it to be. Go to Romans 10 verses 9 through 17 if you're following in your Bible. Romans 10 verse 9 through 17. Paul says, I'm just kind of coming in the middle of a sentence. He says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. African, Asian, North American, South American, it doesn't matter. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You can live in an Arctic uh, tundra. You can live in the depths of the jungle. You can be a cannibal. You can be the most refined, godless person. If you believe, you will receive this salvation. But here's what he says. As astounding as that is, verse 14, I'm going to remind you verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? We could go on. And how are they to preach Unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. What you have just heard there and read, if you're following along, is the fact that no one will be saved apart from hearing the gospel, apart from a revelation of the gospel coming to them. And the means by which God has chosen to do that is not by writing a message in the sky, not by an angel knocking at our door. It's through people. Now, it may not even be a physical presence in the world we live in. It could be a book written, a Bible translated into a language and sent to them. It could be through internet transmissions, radio transmissions. People must hear the gospel or they will not be saved. I, again, I I don't feel attention when I say that, even when I think about election, that all who are elect will be saved. Because I I just see that both are in the Bible. Both are true. So can, can we just sit there and twiddle our thumbs and say, I've got my salvation? No. You have been called you have been elected but you have been elected to more than just salvation you have been elected to propagation do you understand that you have not been elected to say all right i'm going to make uh, earth my heaven for now and then i'll get to go to heaven the real heaven later no 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 we live on this earth to serve jesus came i came not to be served yeah but but, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many We're to do likewise. Jesus is is our model, right? Romans, or um, what was that? Uh, Hebrews 12, looking uh, to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. We have a mandate. We have a sanction. And the doctrine of election teaches us that. Let me just show you that. Not only does Paul teach that, but sometimes it's even more explicit I'll just read this, 1 Peter 2, 9. Peter says, But you are a chosen race. Do you hear that? Chosen race, that's election. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are chosen that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Paul says uh, again, just looking back at Paul, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled him to himself, reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's this supernatural work. We become a new creation by God's power, and part of what that new creation is is an ambassador for Christ. Therefore, he says in uh, verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Does that make sense when I say the word means now? We are the conduit through which God fulfills the doctrine of election. We are the conduit by which God reaches those whom he has elected before the foundation of the earth. Why? Because he has made us his ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. We are these things. And I'll tell you, um, Jesus felt (laughs) evidently no tension here. Uh, He says, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. These are just in John 6. All that the Father gives gives to me will come to me. He says again, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. Then he says in Matthew Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You, disciples, I'm, I'm going to ascend, but all authority has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And so, this is what we see. The doctrine of election tells us that we are chosen, yes, but not just unto salvation, but also to propagation. I want to move on to, to the next point here just because I'm, I'm getting bogged down a little bit on, on some of these. Like I said, they're too long. Secondly, okay, Pastor Jeff, you say that I'm supposed to do this, but I, I'm a B-team Christian. You don't understand. I, I, I haven't studied as much. I'm not as smart. You know, maybe I, I didn't become a Christian until later in life. I, there's no way I could be a missionary to the ends of the earth. But we will see here, as I want to show you, election is the strength for world missions. It's not just the the sanction. It's also the strength for world missions. What I want to show you is the fact that there is no Christian, no person too weak that God can't use them. I'll tell you why that is. Billy Graham, right, who would be, most people would say probably the greatest evangelist who has ever walked the face of the earth, most likely. I don't know. Uh, Peter had some pretty good sermons there in Acts. But anyway, um, yeah, he was, j- I'll just say it. Billy Graham could not have made a single convert without the doctrine of election being true because the human heart that he was preaching to, the, the thousands sitting before him, he could not have touched a single one of them without God's intervention. Okay, we've seen this. I've tried to show this to you um, in God's word as we've been going through this. This is the depravity of man. When we fell, we did not trip. Okay, When, when humankind fell the fall, we did not just simply trip and brush ourselves off and we're better. No, no, we fell into a pit. That's why Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked dead spiritually dead a corpse so you could say billy graham apart from god's help is preaching to a bunch of corpses and telling them to be alive good luck billy not gonna work not gonna work hallie and i were talking about this she was saying you know sometimes it seems like it would be easier to go to these tribes to where they've never heard the gospel you know and you get to share the gospel and they're so excited to hear it and, uh, you know, it seems like it'd be easier to make disciples there. And I said, y- yes and no. Yes, it's easier because they're not as numb to it as people around here, right? You know, you say, hey, you want to hear the gospel? They say, hey, I-, I already go to church. That's not what I asked, you know. As, uh, uh, anyways, but the fact is, and this is what Hallie and I were talking about, is you're still up against the same wall. You're up against the human depraved heart in the jungles and in Ringled downtown, in the mall over here. It's all up against a hard heart that you are incapable of budging even an inch. A pea shooter up against a tank is what our gospel message is. The highest scholar and the, the newest of Christians. So it's it's hopeless. But with the doctrine of election, God can save anyone, and He can use anyone to save anyone. It, it's incredible stuff. With God, anyone can be used to bring another to salvation. Did you see there at the end of Romans 10, uh, at that passage I did, it said, it's verse 17, 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word of Christ means the gospel of Christ, the word about Christ, you could say there. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. And Paul said in, in uh, Romans 1:16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Another helpful passage here for me, 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 18, and I'll just kind of jump around here. Uh, It says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. By the way, everyone is perishing apart from God's intervention. The word of the cross is folly to them. Again, a pea shooter up against a tank. But to to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then he goes on down in verse 24. He says, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God of God. The gospel is folly. It was folly to you apart from God's work, and it is folly to the person you're sharing it to apart from God's work. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Without the doctrine of election, it is hopeless for me. It is hopeless uh, for Chris Petty, it is hopeless for Eric Holland, it's hopeless for Billy Grim, you know, back in his, it's hopeless. But with the doctrine of election, I really mean this, anyone who, who can just share the simple message of the gospel so that people can, you know, hear it and believe on him, can be used by God to make disciples. Now, I am not saying that you should not Try to go deep and grow in Christ and be trained in evangelism. I'm not saying those things, but I'm saying don't wait. And don't think that if you're not there yet that God can't use you. And you say, really, God can use anyone? God can use anyone to do this? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1, uh, 15. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. (laughs) How great is that? Paul is saying, these guys, the only reason they're even preaching the gospel is out of selfish ambition, They they want to afflict me while I'm in here in in prison, but I don't care because they're preaching the gospel still. And God can use even that. That's not the vessel you want to be, by the way, but God can even use that. So if you sincerely say, you know what? I recognize that people will spend eternity in hell apart from this gospel, apart from believing on it. And I sincerely believe that God can change their wicked heart the same way he changed my wicked heart you sincerely believe that and you sincerely share the gospel with them, God can use it. If God can use these these, uh, mockers that are sharing the gospel out of pretense, then God can use you both here and to the ends of the earth. God can use you. God will use you. The Bible says that God's word will not return void. Can you share God's word? Can you literally stand there and read God's word? You can make disciples. Because the doctrine of election is the strength. It is the power behind world missions and everything in between. This is what we see. And finally, I said there's one more barrier that needs to be broken down. I like my comfort. Even if I were to get started, and I, it would start to get uncomfortable, right? How do I keep going? Well, number three, election is the sustainer of world missions. Let me just go ahead and tell you, if you, even if you just grow in Christ and and let the natural overflow of that happen, you will face persecution, you will face trial, you will face tribulation. Certainly, if you are sharing, those who desire to live a godly life will face persecution, Paul says. Certainly, if that's true here, if you say, you know what, I'm going to pick up and go, to the furthest ends of the earth, you will not only face persecution, and you would, you will face trials and troubles and hardships all along the way. You will. I, I'm not here to relieve that burden. I'm not. What I'm here to do is to give you a grander view that overshadows that, right? We sang it uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There's something greater out there. And the doctrine of election helps us with this. Number one, let me just think think about this for a second. I have just told you that Billy Graham couldn't make a dent on the hard heart uh, of of the most worldly wise receptive person. He couldn't even make a dent— but God can use a small child to, to convert the, you know, most uh, ardent atheist. He really could. God use a small child to do it. And God doesn't even need us to do it is really what I'm <laughs> trying to say there. God could make all the converts he wants. God could change all the hearts he wants, but he does not. Has it ever hit you what an honor it is that God bothers to use you? I have got some tools in my tool cabinet or whatever, you know, tool drawers that I I, I never use, you know. But if, if my tools had feelings, those ones would probably be hurt. But there are some tools that get a lot of use. I love those things. I was talking to my dad how much I love my cordless impact and my cordless screwdriver with all this work I'm doing. I'm like, I bought these things like 10 years ago. I use them all the time. I love these things. Friend, that is what God wants you to be in his tool chest. Some of us, and it all works in with the sovereignty of God, we don't realize that and we try to hide in the back shelf and say, no, 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 don't use me. I don't want to get all scuffed up. I don't want to get dirty and greasy uh, like tools do. You know, do you not realize how beautiful it is for the God of the universe to say, I could save everyone in an instant, but I want to use you to do it. What an honor. <laughs> that's, that's drawing from the doctrine of election that God could do it, but he decides to use us, these weak vessels that we are, to carry the gospel. In addition to that, if God has elected you, right, that's doctrine of election, then no trial, no trouble can do anything in your life but bring you joy and give God glory. I'm not saying it won't be troublesome. I'm not saying it won't be hard. I'm not saying there won't be tears with that joy. But nothing, nothing can bring you, uh, bring you down truly if God has elected you. I mean, we, we just know these things. Romans eight twenty eight 28 uh, and following. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called, that's election, called according to his purpose. So I'm going to read that again, knowing that this is the doctrine of election working out. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things, Christian, elect person? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You hear that? Paul is is looking back to this Old Testament text and saying, That's how I feel right now. For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But he says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That includes trials, that includes discomfort, that includes all of these things. You you think about these, um, Paul says in uh, Romans 5, he says, uh, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul says elsewhere, again, just tying these things together, 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 I mean, he's, he's, this guy, Paul, has been through it all as a missionary. He has been through it all and somehow lived to tell about it. He says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us. Preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Friend, if you believe yourself to be elect, if you believe yourself to be called, number one, feel the honor of it all. Feel the honor of being a a, a useful tool in God's hand. Number two, know that anything you lose, any suffering that comes your way will only produce for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Again, Hebrews 12 uh, said this, twelve two. Looking to him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he's now seated at the right hand of God, by the way. I keep not adding that part, but that's the ultimate outcome. Jesus was willing to suffer, die worse than any of us will ever taste. I can guarantee it. And yet for the joy set before him, what was being purchased by his suffering was worth it. And that's what Paul says about us as well. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I was praying up here with Chris Petty at the, uh, I don't remember when it was last night, but anyway, I guess it was after his sermon. Um, I prayed with him. And just what came on my heart to, to say to, to him and, or to say in my prayer was, God, help Chris to remember and see that though they have faced such unusual trials in these past two and a half years, have they not? If you guys have... Following them, they've had so many unusual trials. Let them see that all of this has been for your good. That they are far better missionaries. They are far better Christians. They are far better husband and wife and children because of all these trials, because God is using it to refine them. And God is even going to use it to prepare an eternal way of glory for them. This is what I was praying, because I want Him to rely on these truths that come with the sovereignty of God and the doctrine of election. It's all tied together. I would never be a missionary if God weren't sovereign, if if even this doctrine of election is true because I I can't save sinners and I I don't want to just trust that everything will be okay because it probably wouldn't be. But because God is sovereign and because God can save sinners through my uh, uh, poor proclamation of the gospel, I will go if he calls and I hope the same is true for you But guess what? Even if he doesn't call you to the ends of the earth, he has called you to the in-between. He has called you to your workplace. He has called you to your neighborhood. He has called you to your grocery store. He has called you to the family you were born into. He has called you to the group of friends you touch. He has called you to the school you are in. Anyone that comes in your path who does not know Christ, you are an ambassador of Christ. God making his appeal through us to them. And because of the doctrine of election, you have the sanction, you have the strength, and you can be sustained no matter what comes your way as you share the gospel with them. To the ends of the earth and the in between. Be willing to go. Be willing to go. I hope that, and this is a, uh, it's weird that I'm praying that I can pray, but I pray that I can honestly pray to God. If, send me if you want to, God. That's a hard prayer to pray sometimes once you get comfy. God, if you you want me to go, let me know about it. I think we all at least need to start there, truthfully. But then I think we need to go even further and just say, God, if you want me to share with the people around me, show me. Like, let it it click in my mind to share the gospel with them. And then God, sovereignly do your work in their hearts. And let me not get my, my feathers ruffled because they make fun of me. Let me not even get my feathers ruffled if I get fired because I know that this is all preparing an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Can you, can you imagine living like that? Huh? All my friends, they, they hate me now because of the gospel. Well, eternal glory. You know, I mean, I don't know. By the way, that's not the only time that's mentioned. Uh... The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The scales slide really, really hard when you have the sovereignty and glory of God before your face. You will live differently. Let's ask God to make it true. Let's ask God to make it happen in our lives. Father God, we ask that your sovereignty, even this difficult doctrine of election, would always be resounding in the back of our minds, that you are powerful. God, nothing is beyond your ability not even the hardest heart is beyond your ability to save. I think of Paul, a persecutor, a killer of Christians most likely. He says he charged them even unto death, and I believe it. you made him one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen. Why are we so scared of the person in the desk next to us, or in our family, or our friend that hates God, <laughs> when, he could do, when you could do the exact same thing? Them, Lord. Oh, you've given us the power. Let us believe it and act on it. And God, when persecution, when trial comes, let us be sustained by your sovereign grace, knowing that nothing comes to us without your hand allowing it. No trial, no trouble, no tribulation, no mockery, no loss of job, no loss of property happens without your hand allowing it, and you are good. You are working all things together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, let us believe it. God, if someone in this room has on their heart this possibility that they could be a missionary, maybe even to the ends of the earth, God, let them not shrug it off. God, let it sit heavy upon their hearts. And Lord, I pray that all of us would be seeking personal revival, personal change in our hearts, that we would not be content with our complacency. God, let us be useful tools in your hands, not the ones rusting in the back drawer. Lord, use us. This I pray in your son's name. Amen.